Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. But that's a slippery slope. You're only in my head. We have to remember that. Shit. It's actually happened. I'm talking to an imaginary person. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. A conspiracy bigger than all of us. There's a powerful group of people out there that are secretly running the world. I'm talking about the guys no one knows about, the guys that are invisible. The top 1% of the top 1%, the guys that play God without permission. And now I think they're following me. You know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The cop is back. Welcome back to the Coffee Clats crew. This is episode 32. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And we are here with Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's cool. Ryan's here. And uh, we're here. This is a special episode. We're going to do a Mr. Robot mid-season review. And it's going to be a little different from our Game of Thrones podcast reviews, uh, only in the way that Game of Thrones, we do episode per episode. And this is a midway review so we're not going to go into detail of each episode but we're going to talk uh, broadly about the show and what we like about it and the theories behind the show and um ryan's here because one i wanted him to be on the podcast again uh since he's been on last time thank you and uh we ryan and jamal which everyone knows um from this podcast, we're really into True Detective so season it was one. The best season oh. one, so good. I would. So oh was God. I. Season yeah. one, except for the end. Except for the end. But that's where me and Jamal differ in opinion. So they would always talk about it. and They had all these theories, and they read. They did background checks, uh, background checks, background reading, and they really were into it. And I was like, when True Detective season two comes on, we're going to have them on, and we're going to get down and dirty with this season. So this podcast was supposed to be a True Detective podcast well even more than that we thought about doing an episode by episode review similar to game of thrones because season one was so interesting and then season two rolled around and i have basically stopped watching and i was so excited when i called ryan that he really felt the same way yeah i did not i mean i'm basically just watching it now because uh, i would feel like i something has got to happen you know they've got to do something to to get it back on track this first one was so good and then but now it just seems like it's never going to happen yeah that's what kept me going through the first three episodes and i kept saying all right i'll give it one more and see how it goes and coming up to the fourth episode i just couldn't bring myself i wasn't excited enough to yeah wait for that action to happen if this was the first season we would have stopped watching after the first episode but going off the momentum of season one we were like okay it's gonna pick up because this this is the same director same writers it's gonna pick up it's got it we got these big stars yeah do you guys think it's a it's a situation of like a typical sophomore slump or was season one a fluke i don't neither neither i i i think it season one was way too amazing to just be a fluke I think something has definitively changed in the writing style and how they decided to produce it. I'm not sure exactly what. Well, they changed directors. So oh, they did. That oh, there you go. Factor, they've changed it completely. And 
the way he set up shots was perfect, and I don't know how much input he had into, um, you know, writing the plotline or changing the pacing of it or mm-hmm. things like that. I don't know how involved uh, Carrie. Oh, I can't remember his last name. It starts with an F. Fuka something. It's apparent, though. Yeah, it definitely you can definitely is. tell the difference. I thought it was maybe the fact that when they were out in the South, it had this eerie kind of like Silence of the Lambs kind of feel. And now that they're in L.A., it's got this foggy, like, detective industrial now. They had some industrial stuff in the other one, uh, in the first one. But the mysticism that they had going on, you didn't know if there was a supernatural element or not, and that was really cool. And uh, so, and you would see... Um, Rustin Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character, he would see things, and the way he spoke, you, you didn't know if there was some type of higher power going on. And then once they included the whole storyline into the Yellow King, and uh, you knew the H.P. Lovecraft stuff was all mysticism and these type of things, you thought, like, wow, this is really going to get crazy. And that's why I was kind of disappointed in the, in the finale. End. But And he did warn about the ending, saying it's not going to be you know, there's no way I could be as good. It could be as good as what you guys are all coming there, up I've, with. I've seen shows like this before, um, where I mean, Lost is one, where the build-up is just so intense yeah. that you just there's no way to 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 reach that level of of an ending. There's no way to please anyone then because it's just the build-up is insane. It's beyond... Basically, they're creating a scenario where it's beyond your imagination. So they've really got to blow you away. And uh, that's what I wish that uh, that they could do. I want to be blown away every time, but sometimes they just they, they can't do it. But at least you had that ride for the season. And this one... You know, we're not the only ones thinking this. Yeah, I know. I've heard that for many people. I'm just looking up about the writer and the directors because I didn't realize that it had changed from season to season. And it says that the directing was assigned to several people. It's not just one. Justin Lin directed the first two episodes. William Friedkin was being considered as director for later episodes. The man you were talking about, Ryan Fukunaga? Kari his first name. Yeah, he directed all of season one, did not return as a director this season, but remains as an executive producer, as do McConaughey and Harrelson. Right, but I wonder how much their actual involvement is. Me too, because that's a core part of the initial team, but I don't feel that same feeling moving into this. And the new, I mean, they have stars. They have new stars, uh, but they're all kind of on the end of their... Fame. I wasn't super excited when I heard people were really clamoring over the main cast. And I didn't feel yeah. that way even going into it. I, I sort of like all of them, but I didn't see it meshing together right. Mm-hmm. The way you had that amazing chemistry between exactly. McConaughey and Harrelson. And yeah, we even were before missing that to- so much. We, we wanted that back in season yeah. two. They don't replicate that at all. No, no not at all. Yeah, it was even before season one came out of True Detective, when you saw like McConaughey and Harrelson, and you were just like this. I saw the preview trailer for it, and I was I was super excited. Mm-hmm. I couldn't contain myself. I was like, "This is going to be really, really good," and I, and I wasn't disappointed through those first six, seven episodes. You know, 
another thing, they started off this season really bad with the theme song. And no offense yeah. to Leonard Cohen. I mean, he's great. But the the song, Never Mind, mm-hmm. it plays like a cheap imitation of the Wires classic uh, theme song. Right? So I many, didn't watch The Wire too much, so I don't really know. Yeah, so many things. Right off the bat from that to the filming location mm-hmm. of right. LA, Louisiana, where they were doing oh, the first one, was just yeah. so integral to the story they were telling and exciting and interesting and, and moving it to LA didn't do it for me. The opening song didn't do it for me. It, a lot of elements I feel yeah. they maybe almost didn't realize what it was about the first season that was making it so special because mm-hmm. they did yeah. not carry that over. The the murder mystery isn't very interesting. Not at all and it's confusing. And, yeah. And super it feels, confusing. It feels like now Matthew McConaughey was a miserable uh character but he had like this intrigue about him and right his misery was very it was a smart misery but he had all, almost a nobility i feel yes, like an, yeah but these characters just look sad and just fucking miserable <laughs> yeah it it doesn't ingratiate yourself when your lead one of your lead characters goes and beats up a kid's father in the second episode yeah. For, with brass knuckles in front of his kid. I mean, maybe the kid's a bully and took his shoes, but still, that's still way over the line. And then just seeing him drunk and going to the school and yelling at his son, it's not going to make you pull for that character at all. Yeah, I almost feel like they were trying to one-up themselves in the sense that, okay, they wrote this very dark, complex character for Matthew McConaughey and, and going into this season with their main characters. It felt like they all just sat around a table and said... What is the most messed up <laughs> yeah. kind of storylines, these backstories that we can give the characters? Let's think of the worst possible things we can put into them so that it'll take it to the next level. And it doesn't come across as complex and interesting at all. It's just sad and depressing yeah. and, and cheesy almost. Mm-hmm. And again, with the storyline, instead of being rich and yes, difficult to figure out but you were excited to unravel the mystery this is just confusing and boring at times yeah yeah, it drags a lot even in the scenes where it's supposed to be all action it's not it still pulls you out of the story i don't feel like it's pulling you into it i feel like it just i don't know separates you and it doesn't seem believable what about the second episode the main character one of the main characters gets killed or you think gets killed, right? right? Right. That is a huge problem I had. And it's something that I had a problem with the Nick from a series he did before, uh, True Detective 1, The Killing. Um, it was all about the killing of Rosie Larson. I think that was her name. And that happens like early in the first episode and you're following these two cops around. And I mean, the setting was really cool, and like this, the characters seemed cool. But he kept doing this thing where, throughout the entire episode, he would lead you to pointing it pointing at one character, and then like you you'd be just about to catch him, and then they would end the the episode, and then in the next episode they would tell you why it wasn't him, mm-hmm. and it just really really got on my nerves. Like you're supposed to be figuring out this thing with them, you know? Yeah, and. You can't because they just throw you all these red herrings all the time. They throw you all these things that it, that that make all these all this evidence is there, and it just it can't happen that way. They take it all back. So well, and exactly take it all back. First of all, they did it way too early. We did not care about the character enough to really care that he got killed. And then right. oh, 
this what, guys? It was rubber bullets. Well, that's the thing. I don't, I don't really care about any of those characters. Yeah, no. still don't. That's a major problem this many episodes in. In contrast to, and I don't mean to transition if we're not finished here yet, you invited me to watch Mr. Robot for the yeah. first time. When you first told me about it, I was like, what, is this about robots? Okay, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, all right, fine. It's about a computer hacker. Well, I'm not really into that either. I'm not tech savvy. I'm not going to understand. And from episode one, probably not even five minutes in, I was hooked because the character himself was so interesting five mm-hmm. minutes and i'm already they, invested they in set him. him up really well i'm invested i want to know more he's so smart the interactions are so smart and and i'm sure we'll get into it that it fell a little bit off after episode one because of taking you out so much of, of his, his viewpoint and yeah. his head which was a, an element i thought was fantastic about it but I'm still interested. I still like it. I still oh, yeah. continue to be excited for each episode. And, and I think they're doing all of those things we just said True Detective did wrong. I think they're doing most of them right. Here. Yes. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad we transitioned because we were getting very, uh, we were starting to get miserable. So it's good. Let's talk about. <laughs> no, uh, I was going to talk about the music a little more in go for it. Okay, True go Detective for it. just because it was so good. The opening was so good. It put all this music into it, all different genres of music they had in it too. And I remember I went to a bar in Williamsburg uh, when I first started dating my girl. Actually, it wasn't Williamsburg. It was Cal Gardens when I first started dating my girlfriend. And we go into this bar and I hear this music and I'm like, what is this? It sounds so familiar. And then the next song came on. I'm like, oh my God, this is all the music from True Detective that's been on. I'm like, this is amazing. Then I had to stop the bartender and ask them about it. And they're like, yeah, we did. I'm like, this is so cool. But that's like my True Detective music story. I think it was it was awesome. All the all the music in the first one. Yeah. Especially the opening. And the opening, geez, benchmarks are set really high now because I love Game of Thrones opening. I think it's one of the most inventive, amazing things yeah. I've ever seen for a TV series. It takes a lot to add up to that now. Yeah. yeah. Well, why why didn't they use, you know, we had like six months, no, we had like three months of uh, previews for the True Detective season two. And in the teaser trailers, they had a different song, song The Only Thing Worth Fighting For by Lara Lynn. That was uh, a good song. They should have used it. I didn't hear that. it. If you, if you check it out later, um, you'll be like, yeah, they should have used that fucking song because it, was, it hypes you up. And now they got this stupid uh, Nevermind song, which maybe is the, the writer saying, you know, we, I, I love True Detective, but Nevermind. I'm just doing this to cash check. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, Jamal has this thing where he says that basically for all those people that hated episode seven and eight or episode eight, the how the first season ended, mm-hmm. this season is all just proving how good the first season was to everyone. Like well, if you had any reservations about it. Well, that's not a smart business. It's a mistake. No, no, it because is a mistake. They're, they're, I think it's they've lost. Actual. They've lost so much of the audience they had for the first season. But see, even talking about it, I, I'm Can, I'm bored. I'm depressed. <laughs> I don't know what they did to it, but they killed it. Yeah. All right, All right Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. This is about last night. I should have gone to Angela's birthday party. Instead, I went to. Let's talk about Mr. Robot. I fell into this. I saw previews for it. I had no idea what it was about. Um, I saw signs first, and I was like, oh, that's some cool old-school graphics. And then I saw, like, the little slogans, and I was like, this could be cool. And then I saw the trailer, and I'm like, this looks really interesting. I actually started watching it by mistake because I was watching Suits, and it was the next show on. Right. And I was like, Christina, you might want to watch this. And I watched the first 10 minutes, and Christina was listening to a podcast. 
And I said, you got to keep watching. You got to turn that off and got to watch this. Mm -hmm. And we both got into it and we've been hooked. So, Chris, why don't you give us a little analysis of what it's about? Yeah, I'll read you in case you're new to the series. The plot, the premise of it, although it's not going to do a very good job actually explaining to you. It says, Mr. Robot is an American cyberpunk thriller drama TV series created by Sam Esmail. The series began airing on USA on June 24th. Prior to the season premiere, it was actually announced that the series had been renewed for a second season, in case any of you are wondering. It follows Elliot Anderson, a young cybersecurity engineer living in New York, who assumes the role of a vigilante hacker by night. Elliot meets a mysterious social anarchist known as Mr. Robot, who recruits Elliot to join his team of hackers, F-Society. Elliot, who has a social anxiety disorder but connects to people by hacking them, is intrigued but uncertain he wants to be part of the group. The show follows Mr. Robot's attempts to engage Elliot in his mission to destroy the corporation Elliot is paid to protect. Wait, what did you say his, the writer's, the creator's name is? Sam Esmail. Esmail? He went to NYU. I'm not, I'm not sure what else he did, if anything, uh, Actually, this, this is his first big break. He's done a lot of, like, uh, short films and, uh, you know, low budget. This is his first real big break. Okay. I was just, because I just watched, I was watching episode five again, and uh, when he goes into... Uh, infiltrate the company. Mm -hmm. The do they call it Steel Mountain? Yeah, or Iron yeah. Mountain. Steel Mountain. Okay, when he goes in, um, he uses the name Sam Semiel, and then, oh. or Sep Sepiel, Sepiel. So it, it was very, very close similar. to S S Meal. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if it was like the same name or if they were like throwing that. Yeah, out maybe there. they're being a little clever. Yeah. Now, one thing I was like, how did they renew it before it premiered? And I was like, maybe they just knew it was that awesome. But what really happened was uh, the first episode of Mr. Robot was released across multiple digital platforms in advance of its first broadcast. The pilot. Yep. And it yeah. had a viewership of 2.7 million prior to the first. So they already knew. And they had a consensus of, you know, people dig it. Let's go for it. Yeah. And a huge part of that, I think, is your, your main character, Elliot Anderson. He's played by Rami Malek. He's a security technician at Allsafe and a vigilante hacker. This guy, they said when he came into audition, he actually came in three times. And each time he could not remember all of his lines. He got more and more of them down. But prior to that, the directors, the producers, they're all sitting around. And the other people that came in to audition just were falling short. And the writer kept saying to himself, have I written this completely wrong? That we're not finding anybody that even comes close to the vision I have in my head for this man. Right. And then he walks in and they just knew, even if he couldn't remember his lines or whatever, that he was perfect for that role. And, and I totally agree. He, I agree. He draws me in. Yeah. Those of you who don't know, uh, <laughs> Rami Malek who plays Elliot Anderson, yep. uh, you may say he looks really familiar, and he plays Akmara in The Night of the Museum, all of those <laughs> shows, yeah. and which is like a total opposite of uh, yeah, how and, Elliot Yeah, and a is. very minor role, too. Very I minor, mean, very like, in goofy. And he is also, he really is of Egyptian descent. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you can kind of That's see it in his face when you look at it. Him and the director. That's right, yeah. He's also been in Need for Speed, Gilmore Girls, Medium, Battleship, Larry Crown, and a whole bunch more. Uh, but this is his first like real big role. And one thing I really liked about him, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but we're talking about him anyways. His character, we'll get later deeper into his psyche, but the way he portrays, you know, he doesn't have social skills. As an actor, the way he does it, um, and I'm just very aware of it, is he keeps his, he keeps his teeth closed. 
Oh, I never thought about so it. So when he talks, he kind of, uh, and he talks in this me- medium tone. That, he doesn't yeah, make I've a lot of... Yeah, I've noticed that now, and uh, you bring it up. Yeah, and it gives it this restrained feel. Yeah, he right. doesn't make a lot of direct eye contact. When he mm-hmm. does, it's awkward. Uh, he doesn't like to be touched. You can, there's a couple of scenes that highlight that. And he's not comfortable when there's more than a few people in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also see some of his one-on-one interactions being extremely uncomfortable. He's just not speaking when he's supposed to be. There's these weird social pauses in the conversation. Yeah. He really struggles with it. He's very. He's an oddball. Uh, but b- before we move on completely to Elliot, um, one thing to note that Mr. Robot was originally going to be a movie. Yes. And then turned into a pilot. And... Uh, Sam Esmail said, we are treating every episode as a short film. This is the first time he's doing a TV series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't intend for it to be a series, but he was halfway through Act 1, and he realized it was getting too long, there were too many plots going on, and they decided to turn it into a TV show, but he said himself that he didn't change that much for it. And TV shows, let's face it, right now is the way to go. It really is. It's the new movies. (laughs) Yeah. They're better now. You get much more involved. You get bigger actors. There's more money put into it. Um, more time. They're better. And also, I think it has something to do with um, TVs being so good now, the quality. Like, oh, people yeah. People would rather watch their 90-inch TV. Oh, yeah. Out. It used to be such a different experience yeah. from home to the movie theater. Now, right. sometimes you feel like you have a better, <laughs> better image on your TV than the movie screen. Um, you definitely can. And the sound can be better. I mean, I've been, I went to see the second Lord of the Rings movie and the sound was messed up in the theater and it kills it. That does. It can kill the whole movie. Did you ask for money back? I would have been like, this is sound. We got free passes to another movie. Nice. Okay. Like you you want to go back there, right? We had that happen to us too, the older movie They don't fix it. And I I wonder if it's just that the movies just, they're not doing as well now. They're not. They can't afford it. Probably. Ask yourself this. Are you a one or a zero? If you're a one, tell your friends about our podcast. Like us on Facebook. Email us at the address contact at CKC Podcast. Get in touch. Be a part of the crew. That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you a yes or a no? Are you going to act or not? So I'll ask you again. Are you a one or a zero? Well, let me take you on to the next character, which is our one real big name for the series. It's Christian Slater as Mr. Robot, an anarchist who recruits Elliot into an underground hacker group called F Society. I don't want to get too far into him because I know we have a lot to talk about (laughs) as far as Elliot's interactions with Mr. Robot, but initial impressions for him? I like him. I always like Christian. He's got that, the way he acts, it's very, it's cool and weird at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of just want to chill with him. I always wanted to. But it was weird his first, uh, like, the first time you see him, he's a homeless guy on mm-hmm. a subway. Yeah. Yelling. And laughing. It kind of ruined, it kind of ruined for a viewer. You're like, that's Christian Slater. He's obviously not just some Nobody. random Nobody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Good thinking. Oh, well, I could be mistaken, too, and this, this might be really offensive, but has he been in anything big in a while? Well, he had a, he had a show, I forgot what it's called, last year. And oh, yeah. Unfortunately, it was canceled, but he had a power where he could tell the future. Okay. A little in advance. Either, no. Yeah, he was, and he could stop, he tried to stop crimes. 
Yeah. Did he have a power? I don't know. I thought I watched that show and he was just like very intuitive or something like that. That's one of, yeah. Well, I always thought he was really great and I haven't seen anything big with him for a while. I was excited to see him on there and not for nothing. I, I love him and this could be intentional the way they're writing it, but he's really upstaged. By Elliot's character in, in the acting sense. He's supposed to be, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that's all intentional. Um, but he also had a, another show three years ago, and that, that failed. I was into him, but I guess uh, I like him better as a supporting actor. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's meant to be a supporting actor, and, and he also plays um, sort of that dark, mysterious thing pretty well mm-hmm. that he's doing here. Uh, we also have three other main characters. We have Portia Doubleday as Angela Moss, Elliot's childhood friend and fellow employee. We have Carly Chaikin as Darlene, one of the F Society hackers that comes to his house early on. And Martin Wallstrom as Tyrell Wellick, the senior VP of E-Corp. And don't forget Gideon, All Safe's boss. I just like him. There's something about him I like him. Yeah, he hasn't had a major presence, no, though, it- thus far. In my psyche, he has. <laughs> but uh, uh, something very important to the show, uh, Darlene, the F Society hacker chick, yep. she seems like she's a freak in the bed. <laughs> I'm just saying, you can tell when they're Jeez. a little weird. She's, she's she seems super man- manipulative. Yeah. I think it'll they're, come at a price, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but those manipulative bitches are awesome in bed. Just yeah. saying. Yeah, we're finding out a lot more of her as we get into episode five. I know we're not going to go so far into each one, but let's kind of breeze through. Episode one was Hello, Friend, where we open up just finding out a little bit about Elliot, that he works at Allsafe, this cybersecurity company, and they have apparently several companies that they do security for, although the main one we're seeing is Ecor that they have nicknamed Evil Corp. And he's nicknamed. Yeah, he's he nicknamed. he yeah. has, but it's, it's sure caught on, and it's it's pretty good. Just a little piece of info for that. I wasn't sure if this was intentional, and I looked it up later. It seems, in fact, that it is. During an interview on Google, Sam Esmail, the creator, stated that E-Corp's logo is actually the Enron logo, and that okay. there was a direct comparison there to them. I heard that brought up, but uh, I also reminded me because I see computer, I see it all the time. Is the in the Dell logo, mm-hmm. the yes. E is yes. diagonal the same That's, way, and yes. you see the E on every the back of the monitors yes. when you're when you're watching the show, and I see Dell everywhere. So I you'll think it's also the same thing. yeah, you'll also see a lot of branding and logos. Period. As you go through the series in the background, he said that was intentional, too. I think there's a lot of statements being made about current society and issues that we can talk a little bit about. Um, So Elliot, you know, he also uses his skills to hunt down criminals and deliver them to the police. We see that this E-Corp, the conglomerate, and the important customer of Allsafe is hacked Mm -hmm. in episode one. And Elliot has to come in and stop the attack and personally secure the evidence. He's recruited by his friend Angie to come in and help out. And then later on the subway, Mr. Robot approaches Elliot. We find out he's the leader of F Society, the hacker group behind the cyber attack, and they're operating from this abandoned amusement park. Mr. Robot is planning a digital revolution by deleting all of E-Corp's debt records and convinces Elliot to join their cause and to frame this man, Terry Colby. And I couldn't really figure that out initially, but it seems that he's sort of a mid-level type of guy that they're just setting up to take the fall for all of this. Yeah. 
now well, the- he was uh, uh, the head level guy. Like he was on, he wasn't he like a CEO or something like that. I thought. Really, he was that high up. I'm yeah, not, I don't yeah, know. I thought he was pretty high up. Yeah, he's one of yeah. Okay. He was at the meeting too. Yeah, he was he was well up there. Actually, he was the CEO because they were getting yeah. rid of him because the whole new CEO with Tyrell. Tyrell is the interim senior vice president. Right. Right. This guy. He wanted to be. Was. CTO. CTO. Right. Terry Colby. And there's another guy who's the CEO. Anyway, what I liked about episode one a real lot was Elliot's internal monologue that we're seeing, his commentary on people finding out immediately how intelligent and perceptive he is to be able to pick up on people. And later we, we sort of learn that that's part of what makes him such a great hacker. A lot of these systems that he is protecting quote unquote the technology is pretty airtight and Mm -hmm. it's not that they have weaknesses it's that he's exploiting the people that work there right the information they're putting up on social media figuring out their passwords it's human weakness that he's able to social engineering and such and i also really like meeting his therapist who we don't get to see for a little while after Episode one and the interactions he has with her, sort of not knowing the whole time when he's talking to us, when he's talking to her, you really get a feel for what's going on in his mind. Yeah, the first episode really sets up his whole, you get everything you need to know about his personality. And I love the way they started off with uh, him going to that coffee shop. And you don't exactly know what's going on with the interaction between him and the coffee shop owner, Mm -hmm. but it all leads up to him exposing this huge crime that he's doing and it was it was i mean i don't know if we do i guess it's no point keeping anything no go for it unspoiled now is that this guy is he's got a whole child pornography uh store on his system and he's uh you know broadcasting it out and Elliot just happens to find it because he noticed how good the Wi-Fi is there. That it's way <laughs> right. faster than anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. And they use fiber optic connections and it's just way too fast. And he's like, why does this coffee shop need such a good connection? <laughs> and you find out from that transaction that he wasn't looking for anything from this guy. And he wasn't looking for money. He had already... He was like, it was almost like the villain telling you the, the his evil plot. Yeah. But yeah. it was already in motion. So he had, by the time the guy's like, I'll give you whatever you want, you start to see sirens in the background. And he's like, I don't want anything. You know, I don't give a fuck about money. And yeah. walks out the door and then they arrest him. Yeah. So you get to see his character as well, all right. in that short clip. What, what really drew me in was the inner monologue itself. Yeah. How deep he was talking about, I don't remember exactly the words, but you know how we are all like, all of our secrets, the whole life is on social networking yeah. mm-hmm. and how oblivious we are to the realities of the world and how, you know, driven by Starbucks and driven by these help, self-help books that mean shit. Yeah. Like, I, it just drew me in. I really right. enjoyed that. You're yeah, just I being think... force-fed it. Like, whoever can pay the, the most money to get this thing in your face, that's going to be the new thing that you're into. Yeah. I think we missed that a lot in the later episodes, and somebody asked the creator why that was done, and he said that he was really enjoying writing from that point of view, but he started to feel like it was too myopic, and we needed to be introduced to other characters. However, I feel they've now sort of taken it to the other extreme, that they could at least include a little bit of his running commentary on that inner monologue, Yeah, and hopefully they will get back to that. One thing I wanted to point out that 
really intrigued me. Ryan, have you seen the episodes written out? Like the what do you episode mean? lists? Like the names oh, of the, the names of yeah. each episode? Oh yeah, I've seen I, I've seen that they're like files. They're like wasn't like one away file or yeah, they're, some of them they're named as if they're file torrents. Yeah. Oh, okay. So episode one was ESP one point underscore hello friend dot MOV. So right. like a dot movie file. Mm-hmm. And then episode two is uh, EPS one point one underscore ones dash end dash zeros dot MPEG. So you know how with file names you can't have spaces. Right. So it's very cool. They they, they I'm not gonna name each one, but um, the file names that. change. They go MP four, uh, Windows Movie, MPV. WMV. AVI, Flash. It's so creative. I don't know. Yeah, I just get off really I get cool. off that little shit. I don't know why. It just uh, gets me off. And that's you bring me into a good point that I really like about this when I first started out saying that I don't know that much about technology. They they have based a lot of this. They're sort of throwing Easter eggs in there for people who do understand technology that oh, this is really cool and oh I understand what they're talking about here. But for us people who don't get all of that it's not like you're confused the whole time and you can't follow the storyline. You, you can know what's going on even if you don't get that world and get that language. Yeah. It's a very fine line that they're walking in a great way, I feel. So, yeah, they, so they can speak to the people in the know and they can speak to the nerds as well. Yep. And they don't, go way, they don't go way off base where hackers, they even make a joke about it. I'm gonna. I jump, I'm jumping ahead, but this is gonna happen often in the yeah. episode four, mm-hmm. where they're like, "Look at this! They're watching that hacker movie." It's you called know, Hackers. Hackers. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and they're like, "Look at this! They make it look like they're in this like information highway where there's buildings and all these mm-hmm. things." I've never once seen that. Right. It's 3D graphic interface. <laughs> you floating through this whole like each file server is an actual thing in this space that you just travel towards. Yeah. So yeah, they're I getting. I love that movie. The soundtrack oh, me too. for that movie is amazing. Me too. But what I love about this show is they don't try to, they don't try to draw people in that way. So right. the people that are really into technology, they're not like, oh, this is like bubblegum shit. It's bullshit. Yeah, they're getting credited with the first very realistic portrayal of what this actually looks like, um, the hacking, and yet not going so far into it that people who do know can pick it apart and say that doesn't make sense or they wouldn't do that. That They really are balancing that in a nice way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved how they brought the whole Steel Mountain thing in because it was one of my biggest gripes in the first episode Yeah. when they were talking about their plan and what they were going to do to, uh, you know... Knock out credit card debt. Knock out the credit card companies. Um, the first thing I thought to myself is, what about all the hard backups that they yeah. have? The, you know, yeah. it's not going to matter what, what they're doing here to take down all these servers. It's only going to take, you know, they'll be down for a few days or not even. Well, and they're even going into further explanation that... Darlene's side of it with her ex-boyfriend Cisco, him and the Dark Army have to simultaneously target their other companies in China mm-hmm. and wherever else because even if they do it here, it's not going to make enough of a difference if they don't hit them all at once. They, they are explaining, I think, all of those potential plot holes that could annoy people. Yeah. But they're they're infiltrating her, you know, Elliot's company. All safe. They've yeah. already they've already they're already in there. Yeah. With um. The other girl, um, the blonde. Angie. 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 They already got her. They basically blackmailed her boyfriend and then cornered her into to to loading this virus onto to her machine or malware, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, because they had her information as well. Bank right. statements, on there, yeah. social security. 
student loans. So we really don't, yeah, we don't really know what's, what their end game is, the dark army, you know? No, we don't. So let me go back quick before we get too far ahead. Episode two in ones and zeros, we see Elliot declining a well-paid offer by Terrell Willick. This is our introduction to this guy, the new interim CTO of E-Corp. In a public video message, F-Society demands to release their head Terry Colby and dissolve Evil Corp. Elliot is becoming increasingly paranoid and using more morphine, by the way. This is where we get our glimpse at him into his drug problem. He has gathered information against Shayla's supplier, Fernando Vera, and his gang, but they are the only source of Suboxone, another struggle for him with the drug problem. However, after Fernando abuses Shayla, Elliot turns him in. Mr. Robot wants Elliot to hack into a gas plant, causing a pipeline to blow up and destroy Steel Mountain, which is the adjacent backup facility we were talking about, but Mm -hmm. Elliot doesn't want to risk any lives. Again, we get that glimpse into Elliot wants to sort of go over to the F society side, kind of the dark side and take down these huge systems that he feels are corrupt, but he puts a limit on it. He has some kind of morals that he's not willing to cross in order to get those things done. Right. Right. And we see a big part of that in his interaction with Mr. Robot, where he pushes him at the end of that episode off the railing. Now, I think this is a good opportunity for me to state that, uh, even though everyone thinks this way already, <laughs> Mr. Robot, I feel is not real. Not real. It's, a, it's Elliot's other personality. Right now, right. I looked on the internet. Everyone feels this way, so <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel yeah. as special anymore. But I have to say, by the end of episode one, I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. So I want to just pat myself I, on the back. Very a good. Bit. Very Thanks. good. <laughs> yeah, the, the the whole Fight Club scenario. Although people are starting to say that it might be becoming a bit too obvious to have it just be as cut and dry as that's kind of what i was hoping for in the beginning i initially thought of it and my whole comparison for how it explained the show was that it was the matrix without the matrix and fight club without the fight club (laughs) and uh i didn't want it to be exactly like fight club so i'm kind of hoping that they're not the same but it does seems like there's a lot of evidence going that way just for they're always sitting on the same side you they don't really you're not really addressing both separately never by other people so they're the never only one the only real argument i have for it or and i haven't gone back and watched again is the uh like initially when he has a plan to blow it up elliot then has a a, a, a separate plan a different a conflicting plan to his and i just don't remember how everyone else reacted to it yes and we've talked about that too because in episode five he has that interaction with darlene where she wants to go ahead and put the plan into motion and it starts out with mr robot kind of freaking out and addressing her very aggressively and then you have elliot come in and it's a totally different reaction jason and i talked about that a little and i think it can be explained by the fact if you look a little bit more i guess we can get into this now into the psyche of what's possibly going on with elliot is that he's he's had almost a a split going on with these two personalities that are existing within him and in order for somebody like that to continue functioning day to day their reality has to make sense. So he can't be aware in any way that there are these two 
personalities existing simultaneously, he has to think in his mind that Mr. Robot is a legit, real, separate person. And thus, Mm -hmm. that person is assigned different personality things, different thought processes in a way. It doesn't go beyond anything he wouldn't do to begin with. Mm -hmm. But it is a whole other side of him. So he can act sort of contradictory and think contradictory to Elliot. I understand that. I wasn't. I'm not talking about how Elliot himself reacts to a separate uh, conflict. Mm-hmm. I was talking about how I wanted to go back and see how everyone else reacts to, to, to a him. plant changing all of a sudden. Yeah, and like him being introduced to it. So I mean, because yeah, I understand. Like that's like that's more more like Fight Club in that sense that right. you know. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's... Well, you, you you brought that up too, Jason, though, about the way the other people are responding. And sometimes they're just sitting there not doing anything as though maybe this is a normal occurrence that they've come to know mm-hmm. with Elliot. And other times they are reacting, in fact, as though this has happened before. Right. And, and so maybe they're kind of used to it at this point. I think there's certain times, for example, when he's having his, in episode four... He's having his withdrawal symptoms in that um, motel. Yeah. And Christian Slater, Mr. Robot, is yelling at Elliot to to get out of his head, to get up. He's got to feel better. And the other people aren't reacting. And that's because that's all happening in his head. He's being yelled at by his other um, ego or his other mental person. But there's also times... For example, what you brought up where he's yelling at Darlene mm-hmm. saying, you know, no, you can't do this. Well, he's like freaking out. Yeah. That's actually happening. But they're seeing, I think these guys know that he has this split personality, but they think he's a genius. And this is just one of his quirks. They chalk it up to that. Because then he walks away and goes, Elliot, you, you try to calm her down or something. Yeah. That, right. was, that was the inner monologue to himself in his head. And then... I think what really happened was he just turned back around and now he was the calm Elliot and the vulnerable Elliot. And they knew that. I don't think they see it so much as a split personality. They just think he's a little crazy. Explosive. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah he's just got like a temper that yeah. goes off every once in a while. So they're thinking, okay, he's, he, he got it all out and now this is the Elliot we know. Yeah, and and to get a little into that, it kind of makes sense when you look at it in the larger context that I think he is struggling with this message that the writers are clearly sending to us constantly throughout the series. Um, And we get that in, I forget which episode, where he decides for about five minutes that he wants to be a quote-unquote normal person, and Mm -hmm. he wants to maybe have a girlfriend and even go to Starbucks and spend $4 for a coffee because that's what people do, and he's going to be happy and ignorant and just um, kind of a blissful sheep in society. And that Elliot could potentially work for a company like Allsafe that protects people and, you know, to hell if that means credit card company screwing everybody in big business winning um but then there's other times where he just can't deal with those banalities of normal life and so do i become this other person mm-hmm. uh who is this sort of vigilante hacker and doesn't buy into all of that and wants to take down the system and, and do something bigger yeah and you feel you see when he that for that split second not split the one day or half a day where he decides he's not going to have the Mr. Robot in his head anymore. Mm-hmm. You see, like he's so much happier. It's almost it's like lighter. the weight has been lifted. Yeah. And that's the weight of this other character inside of him that that keeps pulling him down. 
Well, because yeah. the truth is he could never be happy like that. And, and that's why he's using the morphine and struggling with this stuff to just to deal with the day to day of life. And um, I don't think he could ever really sustain that. Right. Knowing all of these things are happening all the time that mm-hmm. he could maybe do something about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The big thing that's happening, though, even here, we see up until episodes one and two, they are really painting Elliot as the unreliable narrator. And I just have to put that out there. However obvious it may be, we, we see that he has these mental issues that we've encountered with a the therapist. He has the drug problem that we've mm-hmm. seen. And now we have to question if things are even real or not real. And so can we really trust anything that Elliot's telling us or that we're seeing here? Right. And, uh, you know, this just reminded me, we're talking about Mr. Robot being fake. There's also some people that believe that even the other crew in F Society are fake. Yeah, I was, think, I was thinking about that also. Up. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I'm ready to say 100% yes. I think it's intriguing. Um, I don't think it's really possible if it was that, though. I didn't think so either until the episode where he goes and shows up one day and everybody's gone. And it's empty. And it's empty. And it doesn't look like there's been this functional place with tons of people working there. Yeah. And how do you explain that? It could be possible. And initially I, I, I thought, oh, well, that could make sense if they're running the... Um, at the drop of a hat type operation where if somebody gets on to them or if something big goes down, they just have to pack up and leave. Yet the next episode, they're all back there. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't read either. Or how about when they leave, when he's having his uh, episode and he's at the motel and they all just leave? Right. The other two guys. Maybe that was just part those consciences leaving. And it boils him down to him and Mr. Robot. Well, maybe he just realizes he doesn't. He is really alone, and that's when he says it. But I'm that's alone. when Christians later comes back in, and he actually isn't. Exactly. Like, he feels like he's not. Well, and that's what I said to Jason. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, they're, they're breaking the wall. They're talking to us here. I am alone. They're pretty much telling us none of these people exist. Yeah. I am alone. And the only reason I can survive without feeling so horrible and miserable is to create these manifestations that don't actually exist. Uh, I'd like to go back to when, although they have, I mean, they have their own storyline separate i guess that would be him then him with darlene and the indian girl going off and talking to dark society right so and darlene does interact there with cisco in the library right. so i, and you I know, think that she's gotta be, be real because i mean even if you wanted to go further and say that cisco was elliot also he interacted with uh, angie and her boyfriend giving them yep. a cd yep so he you know he's a real character yes um, I'd like to go back and see the scene where uh, Darlene uh, is in the hallway with Elliot and oh. no, not Angela, the his girlfriend. What's her name? Uh, the one who lives next door. Oh, Shayla. Oh. Shayla. Shayla. Like he stops and they're leaving or whatever or something like that. They're like, yeah. He's telling her to watch the dog. Yep. But I didn't know if she oh, interacts yeah. with her directly. She's she saying does. stuff to him. Yeah, I think they do. And, and yeah, uh, that's a reason I had trouble buying that theory, too, is I thought I remembered several instances where other people 
outside of Mr. Robot actually interacted with the society. And that tends to be our marker that that person does exist. Yeah. Now, again, that goes back to can we trust Elliot and what he's seeing and what we're being told, even uh, because we know that he has a history of hallucinations and delusions. So, you know, I think at this point we have to question everything, but I, the most likely scenario in my mind is that it's just Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot. who's not real. Yeah. And I think they're making a point to sort of put that in your face. Just so we can breeze through episodes three and four, we see Terrell randomly beating up this homeless person. He is being painted as more and more of a psycho. That's he- just how rich people, you know, get, you know, blow off some steam. Yeah. Every day. Stress reliever, totally normal. <laughs> Oh, man. He later hooks up with a man in a bar to install a root kit on his phone. Uh, Cisco hacks and blackmails Ollie with his affair with Stella. And when Ollie confesses to Angie, she wants to break up, but give in to the hacker's demands and compromise all safe. Because, as we said, her data was taken, too. Uh, Elliot's recovering in the hospital. Mr. Robot apologizes to him. But when F-Society leaks the emails that incriminate Colby for covering up this toxic waste leak in 93, we find out that... This is the leukemia that caused Elliot's father and Angie's mother to die. And I think that changes a lot of things for Elliot and the rest of the show and turns him around to really buying into the F-Society cause. You have Gideon becoming suspicious and investigating Elliot's story of what happened with the attack. Moving into episode four, you have that instead of blowing up the gas pipeline, Elliot plans to take out the backup tapes at Steel Mountain with the climate control. And that they need physical access. Then you see him going through the drug withdrawal we talked about. And um, Darlene coordinating with the Dark Army. And that takes us up to season or to episode five. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. Hey guys, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes and leave a comment on iTunes. This only helps us gain popularity in iTunes and pushes us up to the top of other podcasts so that we can get more listeners and become a bigger army. Let's talk about Tyrell real quick. Yes, let's oh, good. do. I was. I wanted to talk about him too. <laughs> this dude's crazy. Again, beating up a homeless man. Yep. Um, walking into this is episode five, but I'll just get into it. Walking into the wife of the the soon to be CTO, uh, peeing in mm-hmm. the bathroom. Yeah, peeing and just stares at her. Uh, yeah, and, that was ballsy. <laughs> and hooking up with the man at the bar. I want to know. Did I miss this guy's? Who Who is this guy? And did and installing this root kit to his phone. What he was the is that? the right. secretary of the Possible the CTO or C. They were hiring a guy. Remember, he was hiring for his position. Yes, he's the secretary of the guy that was going to hire him. So the CEO's secretary, and this way now he would have. Oh, you think he would have? Since he's obviously a hacker of some kind, like. You could tell right away from his first interaction with Elliot that mm-hmm. he knew more than everyone else. Even Elliot said that. So he's Elliot with social skills, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but even his skills were a little weird with the, right, the wife. That's right. True. Only somewhat. We see his true character come out when he's more one-on-one with people, like with the wife and the weird shit they're getting up to, and like you said, when he walks in on the other woman in the bathroom. And I don't know that that whole thing was kind of weird. I got the feeling like she almost knew him from beforehand the way she interacted with him, either that or she's just as nutballs as he is and was willing to just go with that. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, there are cracks in his facade as well. Of course. Yeah. But what's his deal? Like he's obviously that guy that'll do, uh, do everything to get ahead. Uh, Right. Is he Christina? 
is he an a, is he a typical personality of those types of go getters? There is some sociopathic stuff going on with him for sure. I mean, one of the real clear tip offs is when we see him getting ready to go and um, fight for this promotion, and he's basically just freaking out, going through what he wants to say oh, yeah. to them and yelling at himself and almost totally losing it. I've heard that technique though that he where he's self-gratifying himself, you know, talking himself up, you know, saying that you're supposed to uh, be positive, tell yourself over and over that you're going to do this and that's how you get ahead. I kind of I, I kind of like that mentality where you tell yourself something good's going to happen and because you keep telling yourself, you start expecting it to happen. So then even if it doesn't happen, you're more prepared for it. And even and if it does happen, then you you it you know builds that. Well, absolutely, but he doesn't stop it there. When right. he's even slipping for a minute or messing up his wording, it there's almost like a a split going on in his psyche that he is just very very close yeah. to right. completely losing it. And I think that's why he has to go out and do these crazy things like beat up the homeless man because he doesn't have normal outlets of stress yeah. and whatever kind of weird S and M is going on with with him and the wife. He can't just deal with things in that normal fashion. Right. Yeah. Ryan, what you're talking about is like that Stuart Smalley's character in SNL, ah. where you talk about yourself and, and uh, because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people, people like, like me. <laughs> that not that exactly. Is, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the other extreme. Yeah. the Terrell. That's used often, but I don't think they're like punching you in, yourself in the face and like getting all sweaty and freaking out. That I don't think that's the norm. No, but I, I can not, see. But. I can see um, Do- uh, Donald Trump being that way. I bet he's an asshole like that to other people. Right. Maybe Donald Trump punches people in the face. Himself he, in the face? Yeah, but it's, it's that, not... And then when, to, to take out stress, he like, punches Mexicans, apparently, in the face. It's not, just, it's not just that. It's the patterns, like I said, that we're seeing over time with Terrell of the way that he interacts when people aren't looking and yeah. when he just can't hold it all in anymore. And I think... What's great about that is they're showing us the parallel to Elliot's character, that Elliot, like I said before, does have certain morals and boundaries that he Mm -hmm. will not cross of Mm -hmm. things that are not okay. And for as smart as he is and as unable to socially interact well as he is, he still has a different level that he's living at than Terrell. And at first, I don't think Terrell knows that. He sees him and he immediately wants to kind of take him in it's like oh you're one of me Mm -hmm. like i can't interact with anybody else because they're not at the same level as i am but you might be you might be able to challenge me and we could be cool together and he starts to realize over time that elliot is a bit different than he is and i don't think that's going to be okay we're going to see that ultimate showdown between the two of them eventually yeah didn't you read that elliot not elliot i'm sorry didn't you read that tyrell Someone thought Tyrell might be another manifestation, manifestation of Elliot. Yeah, and for those reasons that I just said, I can't ever see that being true. No. Because there are certain very distinctive things that are outside of the boundaries of what we see possible for Elliot. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I would think that that would get cut down from the whole the meeting they had with the, in the early episode. Because yes. they were both at, like when they were talking about the attack on the servers and their and Evil Corp's main servers, 
the VP was he was in the room. Yep. And he was talking to both of them. Actually, I'm not sure. Maybe he was just whispering in people's ears, but you would think that that would have to be Elliot also. And how could he talk on both levels? Exactly. Plus, like, like I say, it's just not within the character of what we've been introduced, right. even though right. the negative things about Elliot only extend so far. Terrell is really kind of more of a depraved person existing on a different plane. And I think it's only an, a certain amount of time before he completely loses it, too. And that's yeah. going to be fun to watch. Um, before we move into what you're going to say in episode mm-hmm. five, you guys briefly touched over roots and payloads. And, and I think that's because you maybe understand on a certain level, but for those of you out there who are not so tech savvy like me, I had no idea what they were talking about. So I had to go kind of look up a little bit of this and Forbes we'll talk later. They, they do some really excellent explanations of what's mm-hmm. happening. And they also get into at one point describing to us, uh, having a root, means that you have unlimited access to the machine. You have the most Mm -hmm. elevated rights and would not be limited on any function, unlike a typical user. And a payload, in turn, refers to the component of computer code that executes a malicious activity. Uh, So those are often created around vulnerabilities within the operating system. In other words, Dark Army's refusal to sync its payload with F-Society really screws over Elliot and his company. That's the bottom line of what's happening with those Technical terms for those of you who, like me, just don't get it. I was just going to say uh, what I, the last thing about Tyrell is what I enjoy about him is oftentimes in movies and TV shows, the bad guy is kind of, you know, this flat bad guy. We know what his intentions are, and they're boring. Right. Yeah. You know? And it's all about the hero. Uh, Tyrell is so intricate, and I'm interested in his storyline. And that's, right. that's a nice breath of fresh air for me. I think all of the characters, really, except the ones that are supposed to be flat, and it serves as an intentional comparison parallel, like Angie is sort of this, uh, she's got some things to her, but she's a little bit vanilla, and I Mm -hmm. think that's meant to be, but they they all have a really good sort of complexity to them. I gotta say, though, moving into episode five, Mm -hmm. it started to fall apart a little bit for me. Did this feel a little like... Not Mr. Robot and more like a bit cheesy action type. Oh, we got to break, break in and pick the lock manually. Even though right. they're at this crazy high-tech security company, there's no um, monitors in the mm-hmm. hallway. They're seeing him try to pick the lock. I don't know. There were just certain things about it. There's no cameras in the bathroom when he actually goes through this stuff. It was well, there little... wouldn't be cameras in the bathroom, but maybe in that closet. Well, that in. Yeah, where, wherever, though. It was a bit like heist. Heist right. Well, no one is supposed to be at that level. You're not supposed to have access unless you're, right. uh, I guess, keyed right. in. Mm-hmm. But they should they should have that stuff against internal attacks. Well, absolutely. Right. I sometimes, when I get really involved and really into something, I kind of numb out to the cheesiness. Yeah. And I yeah. think at that point, at this point, I mean, if they keep doing it, I'll come aware of it, become aware of it. But um, right now, I didn't notice that. I, I liked that we were still in his, his head and you could really see, you know, where he's like, Mr. Robot's yelling like, now's the time, dude. Squash Bill. Well, those parts were great yeah. where Mr. Yeah. Robot's talking to him. And honestly, it was so powerful what he did to that guy, Bill, that I almost started crying. I felt like out of empathy. Bill. I felt so bad. And 
like you could just picture that being mm-hmm. the any man. Yeah. The right. any man that's so alone that all he has is pictures of him and his cat up on his Facebook and he's like going to break at the mere mention of the fact that nobody's mm-hmm. going to come to his funeral. It was a very no one real portrayal, right. a very real way that he was able to get to him. And conversely, I thought it was awesome that when they switched over to this other woman, Trudy, what was her name, Don't where they thought somebody else was going to be there and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And this new woman right. who arrived, they had no info on. It was mm-hmm. like she was a ghost because she didn't exist on social media. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Yeah. And so they just went for the very typical let's break into her text message and send a generic message of, you know, from her husband, like I'm at the hospital and just that there was such vulnerabilities to each person that he was able to exploit. Those parts of the episode were amazing. I thought it was interesting in that episode too. um, When Elliot starts talking about how easy it is for him to social engineer people, but he's really very bad at it in in his (laughs) own self. But yes, I don't know. Like he picks out. I thought it was interesting that he picks out. He picks out everyone's flaw. He goes through the the guys in the van with him, Mister Robot and yeah. uh, Molby Morby. I can't remember his name. It starts with an M. Mobley. And, and then the other guy. Um, and he picks apart like each part that's wrong with them. So like what their weakness is. Yeah. Even Mister Robot, but he does break that up in between like a little speech where I thought he wasn't gonna do. Mr. Robot at first, then I was like, oh, that would be a huge red flag (laughs) if he just identifies the two real characters there and not Mr. Robot. But um, I just thought that was funny that when he, and then when he goes in there, he is just terrible, like a deer in headlights almost. I think he's great at breaking people down in his head. And the reason why he had trouble with Bill, but didn't have trouble with the uh, owner of that restaurant in season episode one Mm -hmm. is that he didn't see Bill as a bad guy. He saw that owner as a bad guy. He didn't so it was want to do that to him. He didn't want right. to hurt his feelings. And he even wanted to say sorry. And Mr. Robert's like, don't say sorry. You're, you're so close. That is a huge red flag right there. <laughs> Just that, that he knew how he would react oh, yeah. without seeing him. You're right. You know. And before you move off of that, there was a really great quote about what they were doing there. Uh, People are all just people. When it gets down to it, everyone is the same. They love something. They want something. They fear something. The specifics help us, but they don't change how everyone is vulnerable. It just changes the way we access those vulnerabilities. Nice. Two, Two things before we move on. One, I think it's important to state that the reason why we felt so bad for Bill is because there's a piece of Bill in all of us. Oh, yeah. I agree. So we, we, when he was talking about Bill, Part of us was like, he, he could be talking about us, too. What if he said that to us? How would or we someone feel? you know. It's, yeah. it's just like that ultimate fear that yep. he's describing. So it hit you close. You know who wouldn't feel that way? Who's that? Tyrell. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, and what's really getting me is Tyrell's name really sounds like Game of Thrones. So every time <laughs> we say Tyrell, I'm like, are we doing Game of Thrones? <laughs> um, and then the, the second thing. I think I'm second-guessing myself here, but you talked about, you guys talked about there was no cameras, but there was cameras, because they were, they were watching Elliot. Oh, they were? Weren't they? One of the monitors, they had Elliot, you could see them, they had camera shots of where they stopped at the end of the hall. There was cameras. Maybe I missed that. I think. Not when he was picking the lock. Not when he was picking the lock. And not when he was in the closet in the bathroom. But when he was talking in the hallway to Bill. Well, but yeah, that's what I mean. Like the important parts oh, okay. that you would think would be monitored mm-hmm. weren't apparently. Okay. Or nobody was watching or nobody cared. I don't know. 
but it, it if, was just a little bit of a... Yeah, and if I'm wrong, uh, listeners, just, of course, tweet us. Let me know. <laughs> Let me feel it. So the other part that we haven't mentioned yet about episode five is going back over to Darlene. We touched on it a little bit where she learns that the Dark Army has changed their mind mm-hmm. about simultaneously hacking this uh, backup facility in China. And on his way back from Steel Mountain, Elliot gets a phone call from Shayla. And she's talking about, you know, she took this waitress job. And um, Angie leaves Ollie after she tells him that she infected Mm -hmm. Allsafe, which I thought was a great scene where he finally realizes. I I think he was in that mindset that she was never going to actually leave him and much less do something this crazy. Just take him completely down in the process. That part was cool, and at the very end, upon reaching the apartment with Darlene, Elliot finds Shayla's phone on the floor because Fernando's kidnapped her. So I feel the need to talk about this. First of all, wasn't this guy in jail? Yeah. yeah. I don't understand that, how he could get out unless unless someone else did it, right? His crew. Right. And then he's calling her phone from from jail? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you watch Orange is the Black, New Black, you yeah. know that they can get phones in whenever <laughs> oh, they want. <laughs> well, okay, but so the way he realized that this was Elliot was from that picture that he saw, right? There was, yeah. Of oh, the Suboxone. Yeah. Is he really that smart to know that that was Elliot and his room and his... But like, I just don't see this kind of guy putting that together from that one photo that he saw very fleetingly. If it was in... If it was, if he recognized it from being in her apartment where he Which basically see. seemed to rape her whenever he wanted... Oh, that was her was, apartment. Yes. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Okay. And that last interaction, interaction they had... And it's not like he picked up right away. He dwelled on that for a very long time. Right. They didn't show how long, but you could see that he was... Back in his... Uh, because he noticed so. something. Yeah. He noticed something. That's why he kept looking at it. And I just didn't think, would this kind of guy be that intelligent, but... You got if, a lot of time to think. Yeah. And if you're a boss like that, you're a drug boss, you're that, you're street intelligent. And that kind of well, thing he's... yeah. And the other thing that we did learn is, which I thought was <laughs> very interesting and also another true message that they're sending that is not often put forward on TV series about the drug addiction and the fact that he can very easily get morphine anytime he wants. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about this scene, and not that I do drugs, but I'm just very aware that it is a lot easier to get um, drugs like that or painkillers than it is to get Subutex or Suboxone. Mm -hmm. And it was like he was the only guy in town, the only guy in all of New York that he knew of that could get him the Suboxone. And and that was a bit realistic, actually. And Thus, he probably knows very well the people that are looking for the Suboxone because there are a lot fewer and and farther between people looking for that than the morphine. You're right. Good thinking. That makes kind of sense. We're doing good on time, guys. It's only an hour in. And considering that we do an hour and 20 minutes for one episode of Game of Thrones, (laughs) I think we're doing good for five episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you guys. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I... I did some researching. It's, the show is on Wednesdays USA, which is owned by NBC. Right. Mm-hmm. But I keep thinking in my head, and I think I ask it out loud many multiple times, mm-hmm. was this show supposed to be on HBO or Showtime before? Because they're swearing, and they right. bleep out the swearing. Well, the swearing and just and the whole content of everything that's going down is a little bit dark for USA. Right, for USA. A very, I was very surprised that it was on USA. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was one of the things that kind of had me wary of 
if it was going to be good or not was the fact that it was yeah. on yeah. USA. Yep. But is it USA just trying to become a powerhouse, just like AMC? Yeah, because they have Walking Dead, they had uh, Mad Men, had, the, oh uh, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, and Better Call Saul. Is this USA trying to like climb the ladder like th- with that? Well, it'd be a smart move, right? I yeah. mean, everyone is basing their success on the quality of these TV shows that they have. Spare yeah. no expense, usually, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, those those stations are doing very well. I don't know how AMC gets more money for their their stuff. Uh, I don't know if they have a deal with Hulu or if they have a pay for subscription that you can watch the content uh, online or anything like that. I know that you can watch it on amc.com, but I don't think you, maybe you just need a cable provider. You do. You just need that. Okay. But, well, and now they have Fear the Walking Dead coming out. Yeah. I was looking it up to see. It doesn't say anything about being meant for another TV channel with Mr. Robot, but Forbes is giving it a review, as I talked about before. They were saying it's one of the best kickoffs to any series in a while about the pilot. But they also said, Mr. Robot could be the series that finally, after years of ignorance, puts a deserving network among the likes of HBO, AMC, and FX in terms of a claim. There we go. Yeah. So, well, you, yeah. you said you were watching Suits before it, so you like that. Oh, I don't yeah, know what other awesome. shows they had. Yeah, but that's sort of like more typical USA. This, yeah. like you say, does feel more darker. HBO Showtime type right. yeah. programming. So that's something I mean, I'll keep looking, but they have swears. I don't know if you're going to bleep it out. I mean, I, I, I don't mind it. Well, a lot, right. though, too. Not yeah, even just a like a few here or there. Well, it's on after 10, I think. Uh, but they do bleep it out. Right. So would you... I, I've never seen a show that knows that they're going to be bleeping it out and still put swears in. Right. I don't know. I mean, I think they, I think, well, there was a whole thing about being allowed to say shit after a certain time because South Park had an episode on that <laughs> did like, they had a counter on the bottom. Oh, nice. For each time they said it. I think they said it like over a hundred times or something like that. <laughs> All right. So that was the first five episodes. We're midway through. Um, Again, this show is on, on Wednesdays, so I'm going to try my best to do the editing and get this out before the next show. But what I'd like to do is two more, do every two shows now, every two episodes, if you guys are down for that. So after, yeah, after episode that. seven, we'll get back together and we'll do another podcast about Mr. Robot. Well, Will yeah, we maybe... shit on True Detective more? If you want to. May- oh, great. I love may- it. <laughs> maybe after episode eight and then ten. Because okay. I, I feel like a lot's going to happen in the final episode that we'll have to talk about. But, um, yeah, there are ten episodes. Six is Brave Traveler. Seven is View Source. Eight is White Rose. Nine is Mirroring. And ten is Zero Day. And it's hard to read because they're doing it like the uh, file format. Right. Um, now, I have five questions for you guys, and I'm taking this from a website. Um, <laughs> they're not original questions, but I thought they were great. Shoot. So I'm going to give them a little plug or... I'm taking it off of fashionandstyle.com. <laughs> That's why I wasn't going to say it. Hey, listen, if they got a, a good... I could, I could see your hesitance. So I wanted to point it out. <laughs> if they got a good thing, give them their credit, right? Yeah, you're right. So I have... Uh, I think these are just great. Uh, four burning questions. I apologize. All right, okay. so first one. Are Mr. Robot and F Society actually real? So we already talked about that. Yep. Uh, what will Angela do? So after episode five, it is evident that Angela has something up her sleeve. She already destroyed Allsafe by hacking them and framing her ex-boyfriend, Ollie, for it. She did this because she had to. But now that she's gotten her feet wet in the hacking world with Evil Corp, 
Will Evil Corp be her next target? They are responsible for killing her mother, after all. So you see her. She goes for a jog. She's holding those slips of paper uh, labeled from Evil Corp, revealing that her father was in debt with the company. Yeah, and right. there's there's um, some hypothesizing that that could be old debt because apparently the dates on the bills were from 2012, which is when her mother died. Mm-hmm. And so people are wondering, were those old bills and was it actually resolved by a huge payout from E-Corp to keep, to keep him quiet over the death? And that's why he now is saying, I don't have to worry about money. Don't worry. Take the loan. Right. Uh, because he, he actually got money from them. So that's one theory. And we know Would she's... That, oh. Would that explain also why Elliot's father didn't want anyone to know about... He didn't want Elliot to tell anyone that he had leukemia. Oh, maybe. I'm sure right. he could have and, been silenced. And there, I didn't understand... Like, I still don't understand why he would not want the family to know. I mean, they could just play it off as, like, a way that he can live normally out the rest of his days, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might have told him if you take this money, you know, nobody knows, no lawsuits moving forward, nothing, just, you know, take the money and be quiet about it. Yeah. And we know she's up to something because at the end of the episode, she's going for a run and she stops at a crossroad where she can go left or right in the road. Now, do you think she has any inkling as to what Elliot's up to? Like, could she join him in his vigilante hacking crusade? Uh, I would think that she knows that he's intelligent obviously in all these matters but i i can't see her knowing how deep he is in it what were you gonna say i was gonna say the same thing and i think she's gonna go to him for help right and find out about it like maybe she kind of thinks that he could be the kind of guy that could be into this or Mm -hmm. help her and then he lets her in on what's going on with f society right because I, I think she's too deep in to go back now. She really doesn't have a choice. Like, where else does she go? What else she, does she do at this point? So I was going to... One more thing Please. with Angie. Please. Do you think that... Uh, do you think that her and Elliot end up together at any point? Like, seriously? Other than, like, a one-night stand type thing? I don't think they would be good together at all. Not at all. I think he maybe thought for a while that she was the ideal of what he could strive for if he could become quote-unquote normal, that he would want somebody like her. Yeah. But just seeing how honestly happy at times he is with Shayla, I I think he could be coming to a realization of maybe this is more of who I am. and. I might not actually like her if we were together. It's just the the idea of her. Um, Right. And and she might maybe begin to like him, especially when she sees these things that he's doing and how intelligent he is. But I don't think that would happen. But maybe what Angela turns into will be what he likes. Could be. Maybe. Could be. Um, Do you think he is previously, they allude to the potential that him and Darlene have some kind of... Sexual it does seem like they have some kind of chemistry going on um, between them. I mean, and she, like, just goes to his apartment. And showers. Shower. Right. Like, yeah. that they're comfortable. They have this history or something already. And maybe even while he was Mr. Robot, because he yes. doesn't seem to remember as Elliot. Mm-hmm. Right. But it could be there on that level. Oh, you think they already have been? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but okay. as Mr. Robot. As Mr. Robot. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. Next question, will Shayla survive? No. No, I think she's going to get killed by that gang. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too, actually. That would be a good that would make uh, sense. revenge thing. And maybe it would be like there are some things that he just can't solve, you know, 
through his normal means or I think it's going to be a tipping point for him, whatever point it occurs right. at in yep. this season. Um, we already yeah, s- I agree. We already saw him struggle with should he go over to F Society when he found out about his father and Angie's mother that gave him a push. So I think we'll be on that cliff at some other point, and then that will happen. Yeah. And finally, is Elliot done with drugs for good? Do you think no. he's kicked it? No. Mm-hmm. Maybe with no Shayla dying, he starts doing it again. <laughs> no, although I don't think it, it appears as though he's really not going to let himself go back to the morphine if he doesn't have the suboxone because he knows that's a very dangerous road to walk. Yeah. So unless he gets some kind of other access to it, maybe not. Some people I read uh, online were talking about him. If he knows so much about all this stuff, he obviously knows about Darknet and Silk Road. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he just get his drugs that way? You know, the Suboxone. There is a paper trail, but a very small one. Well, there's got to be, like, this is New York City. There's not one other guy that sells Suboxone, you know. I I think it was just convenient, though, because Shayla's right next door. She lives next to him, basically, and he he had access to it whenever he wanted. He makes it sound like there's nowhere else he can get it. The Suboxone, at least, not the morphine, but. But he doesn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. That's true. Normally, you'd find you could find that stuff out through make, meeting people or talking to people, but he's not really. He has trouble going into places where there are a lot of people. That's a good point. <clears throat> yeah, but I don't. I don't think he would take that jump unless really something messed up happens mm-hmm. to to move back to the morphine without that. I just hope it doesn't turn into one of those things where it becomes like a filler. Jeez. Right, and I, we start getting bored. Or with the it. central plot, like it's a nice side story yeah. to that. There's a lot that goes into making Elliot who he is, but he is not just a drug addict, and we don't want that just to be just like we don't want it to be primary that he's just mentally ill in certain ways. I mean, there's a lot of things that make Elliot a very complex character, and they need to keep them all in balance, for right? It, for yeah. it to be interesting, exactly. That's true. It would get if they use that crutch all the time. It, it'll get a little tired. One last thing that I have to share with you guys, if you haven't already seen it, there's a website called whoismrrobot.com. It's sort of sort of clever. Yeah. I haven't checked it out yet. What kind of stuff do they have on there? It's a cool site. It simulates the you as the user, and you're hacking into a Linux command prompt. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you're writing code and stuff like that? Well, it, it simulates you, Or you're just writing command. You're just writing commands. commands. Yes, yeah. five okay. different simple commands that Instead you can Instead of use. a menu, it's the commands that you write. Which okay. is the menu. And you just have to guess? Is there some kind of... No, Mr. it, it kind of gives you command prompts. Okay. And then you follow well, those prompts. Well, sort of. But at first, I had to figure out, like, it doesn't just pull up your keyboard when you click on the cursor, the blinking cursor. Mm-hmm. You have to go to the bottom and hit terms of service each time that you want to type. Mm-hmm. So it is oh. a bit of a puzzle to, to figure that out. And once you type cool. one, the menu disappears. So if you go through one command and go back you have to type help again for the five commands to pop up, like in case you forgot what command you're looking for. Yeah. And each one will take you to something different. Some of them are just as simple as, you know, like us on Facebook or join us. But a few of them take you to, again, very simplified pages where you can scroll through like four or five things. But interesting, one of them has different actual news items. It's as if you've gone into Mr. Robot's computer. Or more, yeah. more accurately, like his scrapbook. They look like pieces of a newspaper cut out that he has written all over and then put into an online blog 
or something that he has uh, typed comments below. Mm -hmm. And you can actually read what he said. So, for example, there's one that says Middle East credit card usage spreads. He's crossed out usage and written infection. And below he says, finally, some good news for solving the problem in the Middle East and Africa. For decades, the regions have been mired in war, famine, pestilence, and genocide. Our corporate overlords took a quick look-see at the problem, rolled up their sleeves, and decided the best solution to calm and oppress a society is bury them under a mountain of debt. Welcome to the American way of life, my third-world friends. The system is not just corrupt. It's growing like a weed. It needs to be toppled. Revolution doesn't begin at home. It begins in our wallets. And the look on their faces when we delete the world's debt? Priceless. (laughs) So just a lot of clever plays like that if you go through and, and just take a peek. Yeah, it's very cool because it's about stuff that's going on now, like Deflate Gate. He writes about really, yeah, the Met Gala. Oh, that's cool. Met Gala, 2015. He wrote uh, at Met Frauds, 2015. Yeah, he's talking about the hypocrisy that they're all there masquerading in charity, but they have like all these crazy expensive clothing and jewels on, and you know right. just the whole hypocrisy of stuff like that. It's fun. It's interactive. It's, cool. it's different. And it's brief. You can go through it all in about five minutes. Yeah. Right. But the underlying, like, you're getting bits and pieces of little information that, that is really going on right now. Yeah. Uh, and problems with society that maybe spreads, gets people interested to look into a little further. Yeah. One would hope. One, one final thing is cool is Mr. Robot actually starts talking to you. Like he's oh, writing yeah. to you. On the you. computer screen. Yeah, which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's cool. Is it Christian Slater? <laughs> yeah. Well, th- yeah, right. There's no words, but oh, oh it's like okay. he's typing, you know, just like, type. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I I do like the whole thing, and I just hope they don't get too heavy-handed with it. Of uh, that, they are trying to send a message about things going on in our society, like the parallel between E Corp and Enron and Steel Mountain and what is it, Stone Mountain, Iron Mountain, Iron Mountain, something like that. Um, I do enjoy that when they do it in a clever way but like with orange is the new black where they started out that way at times they have become very in your face with their psas and i just i don't want to see that happen here like i said they're balancing a lot of different um balls in the air right now Mm -hmm. and i think they have to keep that very well in time to have it be an ongoing enjoyable show but i have a lot of hope for it so that's the first half of mr robot and i'm i'm really excited about this episode this season the show itself and uh we look forward to ryan we're gonna have you back in two yep. weeks yep can't wait two weeks for that and also for those of you game of thrones fans out there sometime in the near future we might be putting out some additional thrones content as we promised you in our bonus episode and maybe we'll have ryan back for that as well and kick you off jason so we can do <laughs> some uh some book only stuff sounds good even, nice. though, even though we're not ahead of you anymore but yeah. uh yeah I'm gonna have to freshen up <laughs> if you guys have any questions of course like always you can contact us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Write us in about information of Game of Thrones, anything about Mr. Robot that you want us to talk about, and uh, we're going to have some more CKC podcasts as well. Check us out on Facebook, Coffee Clutch Crew. And until then, this round is on me. Are you a one or a zero? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you a yes or a no? Are you going to act or not? You've been staring at a computer screen way too long, homie.
It's not that binary. Isn't it? Sure, there are grays. When you come right down to it, at its core, beneath every choice, is either a one or a zero. You either do something or you don't. You walk out that door, you decided to do nothing, to say no, which means you do not come back. You leave, you are no longer a part of this. You become a zero. If you stay, you want to change the world. You become a yes. You become a one. So I'll ask you again. Are you a one or a zero? Please hang up and try again.